answers uh, when kind of asking for feedback is that people just talk about the peace of mind that they have. They know it's taken care of. It frees up that mental real estate for them to actually focus on things that bring value to their company, you know, and things that um, they want to be doing that are more strategic. Hey, welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm here today with Anna Redding. Anna is the founder and CEO of an accounting firm called Accrue. They're based in Anaheim, California. Anna, welcome to My Company Story. Thanks so much for having me. Let me tell the audience, uh, Anna, a little bit about uh, what Accrue is, and then you can kind of fill in the gaps of of what I've missed out. But Accrue is an accounting and consulting firm leveraging smart systems and fun people to help clients at any stage of their journey. They're a crew of approachable experts who partner with businesses and nonprofits to build and grow remarkable organizations. So how did I do on that, Anna? Is that about right? That was fantastic. Great. Great. Well, Anna, tell our audience a little bit about about your background, how you happen to get into accounting, how long ago you founded the firm, and about the size of the firm right now, as well as what you specialize in. Yeah, sure. Uh, so that was a lot of questions. I'm going to try to track them I'm all. sorry. Yeah, let's do one at a time, right? <laughs> no worries. Uh, so I was doing bookkeeping and accounting. I worked for a CPA firm for a bit. And then about 13 years ago, uh, I went out on my own um, so that I could be home with my kids and, and have you know some more flexibility. Um, and then I guess everyone needed accounting, who knew? And so, you know, we've grown since then. We have a team of about 12 now, and uh, we really enjoy working with businesses who um, want to grow, want to do things better, you know, or, you know, nonprofits who want to do good in the world. And we get to be a little part of that. That's that's fantastic. So Anna, tell me, I I think I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask, ask you as a professional, why shouldn't business owners just do their own bookkeeping? Uh, well, most business owners don't actually start a company to do accounting. Shocking. Good point. Okay. <laughs> uh, but um, they they started a company because they were great at something. They're great at a craft, or they love making a thing, or you know, there's something you know, a, a project in the world that they want to do good and and start a nonprofit. And so th- with that comes a lot of administrative things um, that usually they're not necessarily experts in. It takes a lot of time and a lot of energy, and it takes them away from doing that fun, you know, primary thing that they love to do. And if it's not done correctly, they can get into a lot of trouble. So we we definitely don't advise the the DIY, you know, Pinterest style bookkeeping. Right. I I, I sure know a little bit about that. I I started working with a client about three years ago who was a brilliant salesman uh, or uh, grew a tremendous staff of direct salespeople. And when I first met with him, I asked him about how he was paying these guys. He goes, oh, I just write, write them out of my personal checkbook. I go, what about taxes? Oh, no, I don't worry about that. That's their problem. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to get an accountant in here really quickly. Yes, please. <laughs> and, he, and he did get in trouble with the IRS. He's sitting scotting out of it. But, uh, but I know what you mean. There's some business people that are just wonderful at what they do, and they don't realize they need a professional accountant uh, like, like you guys offer. Yeah, absolutely. What, what's the biggest benefit of, uh, of getting an expert to help, uh, help a business owner? 
Well, uh, we've been doing annual client check-ins and I think one of the most satisfying answers uh, when kind of asking for feedback is that people just talk about the peace of mind that they have. They know it's taken care of. It frees up that mental real estate for them to actually focus on things that bring value to their company, you know, and things that um, they want to be doing that are more strategic. Um, and they just don't have to worry about the IRS coming knocking on their door. I, I don't know that anyone knocks anymore, but, you know, or, or those nasty letters that they get, you know, or if they do get something, they know they have someone to go to who's going to help them, you know, just take care of it. So yeah. I think of mind is one of the biggest benefits. Absolutely. And what, what, what differentiates uh, a crew from the other choices that, uh, uh, that people have for accounting services these days? Uh, well, we try to make it not suck. So that's a big part of it. I'm sorry. He's trying to make it what? We try to make it not suck. Uh, not suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great tagline. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Accounting doesn't tend to be most people's favorite, uh, favorite thing, even just talking about it. Um, we really focus on being flexible. We want our clients to have a great experience. So we care as much about things being done properly as we do about our clients having a pleasant time working with us, which I yeah. think is quite different than, you know, a lot of accounting firms are just so focused on, is it done right? Which is great. Please do it correctly. Yeah. But also we want our clients to have a great experience working with us. Yeah, that's wonderful, Anna. Tell what what is the ideal client? I mean, what's your sweet spot? Who do you guys really uh, focus on on uh, working with? Yeah, we love working with anything from startups to companies that are kind of pushing that limit where they probably want to bring someone on full time. So a couple of metrics are, you know, maybe zero to 50 employees, you know, 150 top line revenue to about 10 million, kind of in that range. But we also really focus on the owners themselves or, you know, the leaders. We want to work with people who want to improve, who are looking for input, who like want that, you know, that trusted advisor to come alongside them and help them do things well. So, you know, it's both, uh, you know, are you in the, the right target range for us, but also are you the kind of person who like wants to do it well? So yeah. we get excited about that. That's great. Now, do you, do you um, work with people in the early stages who don't have anyone doing their books, like QuickBooks is very common for very early stage people. I mean, do you get in and provide those types of services? And then as they grow, uh, help train someone and, and help them hire someone to do that for them in-house? And tell me about how that life of a startup to the $10 million uh, client would grow with you. Yeah, we absolutely do. You know, so we offer even before clients maybe are ready for us, we offer training and consulting if it's someone that just needs, you know, a little bit of help and, and isn't quite ready for us yet. Um, we love to be able to see people actually make that growth trajectory to get to that point. Uh, and then we do have some clients who have someone internally, but they just want that kind of outside resource to make sure that we're doing it all well. So there's kind of that broad spectrum uh, of clients that we work with. And, you know, at each stage, they need a little something different. So, you know, just starting out really basic services. And then as they grow, we start to layer on, you know, uh, 
more engaging services. We do things more often. We're more consultative, you know, so as they start to grow, their needs start to increase. Um, and that's exciting for us because we get to be, you know, more a part of it. And we get to celebrate those wins with them because we've been there watching them grow. So we get to like get excited that they're doing well. So. Yeah, that's fantastic, Anna. Now, I know you're based in Anaheim, California. Does geography make a big difference anymore with this new world we're living in? Or do you have, uh, do you need to have clients or want clients in Southern California primarily? Um, we have a lot of clients in Southern California just because that's where I live. So I get a lot of referrals in the area, but we've had clients in Washington and Texas and Colorado and Florida. We have employees in other states. So, you know, it really, geography really isn't uh, a factor. And, and for us, we've always worked remotely. So it's really never been a factor, but you know, you tend to get more business around where you're located. Um, so I think as we continue to expand, we'll probably continue to have employees in other states so that it seems more normal to have clients in those states too. But yeah, geography doesn't really doesn't matter anymore. anymore. Yeah, doesn't seem to. That's very true. So what are you doing differently today than you did a year ago? I mean, what what how did this whole thing affect this whole pandemic uh, work? I mean, you've been always been remote, right? So did, yeah. it, that part didn't affect you too much. But were you affected by this? And in which ways? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's affected by it. Even if your business isn't affected, you're affected personally to kind of shift, you know, the way that you do anything, um, like, ever leaving the house. Uh, even though we worked remotely, I did used to leave the house sometimes. And now it feels like <laughs> yeah. much, much looking, less often. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to leaving the house again, too. <laughs> yes, I look forward to that, although it sounds exhausting. But um, I think for me personally, what I've done, what I do a lot differently today than a year ago is I've been trying to say no to more things. Um, my default answer tends to be yes to everything. If it sounds fun, let's do it. Um, and I've really been trying to be strategic about what I say no to so that there's space to be able to say yes to, you know, important things to like strategic things like this. You know, I, I in, in getting to a point where you start to get more opportunities and some of them are really great opportunities, really being mindful of like, but what's the best things to say yes to? which means I'm going to have to say no to some things. Yeah, that's very powerful what you just said. Tell, tell us more about that. I mean, as the CEO and runner, founder of the company and growing a company, of course, you've had to, at the beginning had to do everything. How do you then decide what responsibilities to, to, to shed off your plate and, and put onto others and then training others to do that? I mean, tell us about that process. Yeah, um, we actually just went through a, a process, um, a kind of evaluation called the working genius, which kind of highlights things that you're naturally great at and give you energy versus things that naturally, e even if you're good at them, they just drain you. Um, and so I've been really trying to think through what are the things that I'm great at? What are the things that bring a lot of value to the company? What are the things no one else can do? And what are the things that someone else could do? Or even more so, what are the things someone else could do much better than I could? We should bring people on to do those things so that I spend most of my time kind of in that sweet zone of like the kind of work that's fulfilling to me. 
And what's been super great to realize is that other work that's frustrating to me is really fulfilling to someone else. And so if you can kind of align those things and go, oh, let me find people who are good at things that I'm not good at so that I can do the things I'm really good at. So tell tell us how that works on a day-to-day basis. So let's just say you're in your office and you get an email from a client that uh, that because they know you, but you don't need to reply to that email. Maybe somebody else, your staff would be better to that. But the client is thinking I'm talking to, I want to get an answer from Anna. I, I sent my email to Anna. How do you deal with that? Yeah, that is such a common <laughs> problem for owners, especially owner operators that are now kind of making the shift out of the day to day. We actually have have some email templates that loop in their account manager. Say, absolutely, we'd be happy to help you. I'm looping in, you know, Danny on our team or Kate or Amy or, you know, whoever on our team, they'd be happy to answer that question for you. And then I just kick it off to, you know, the person who should actually be answering that. Right. So for the client, they get a response. They're from you. They get a response from you. They get a response from me, but it is not to do the thing right. it is to redirect them to the right resource. And at some point they stop emailing you, which is yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I used that exact same practice many years ago that it's the way, you know, you need to make the client feel that they can still reach out to you. But on the other hand, this other person has the bandwidth and is probably more qualified than you may be to uh, take care of this request that they have. So, so what else, tell me about this working genius and how else, what does that, what did that do for you? Or what is that? Is that a, is that a person or is that a program or a book or what is that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty new. It's from a, a group called the table group um, or Kappa pro. And uh, it's an assessment to be able to kind of identify six main types of work. And you're, you're great at two of them. You can do two of them. And then there's two of them that are very frustrating for you. And it was so great to, you know, go through the assessment, which I loved. It was really short. The questions were easy. It took like 10 to 15 minutes because that's the other thing. It's like, how long is this assessment? How much time am I devoting to this? Right. How much do I really want to know? Um, you know, but it was short. And what it highlighted for me was the things that I am naturally not good at, you know, or the things that are draining or frustrating for me, like, I don't need to feel guilty about that. That's right. not my area, you know, of strength or even things that I'm great at, but I don't like to do like, oh, it's because they're in this zone versus this other zone. So for myself, I love coming up with new ideas to solve problems and I love getting other people excited about doing it. Yeah. And that's what I'm great at, which is perfect for a CEO. It is. Um, I don't love the doing yeah. and I don't love the like box checking, which is funny for an accounting firm. <laughs> um, but you know, those aren't my areas that, that bring me joy and fulfillment to do those things. And so finding people who are great at those and having, you know, a really objective way to measure that I think is, is great for us and figuring out where to staff people. It's also a great opportunity for people on our team to learn a little bit more about themselves and kind of what work they find joy in and what work is going to suck the life out of them. And hopefully they get to do the, the joy finding work. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. perfect. That, that's great. great. That's great advice to pass along. What other challenges would you say that you as a CEO or running or, or growing a company that you faced and how did you overcome that challenge? Yeah, I think in the last year, so remote work wasn't really a challenge for us. It was a Monday, uh, you know, it was like any other day, but um, 
something I had never really taken the time to establish was our company's mission and values and like those kinds of things that you like know you're supposed to do, but you know, you kind of roll your eyes at because there's work to do. Um, and as we started to grow, it was becoming clear that there was some misalignments things I thought we all cared about wasn't necessarily clear to everyone that we cared about it. And so we we took some time, which was a challenge in and of itself to take that time to work on your business. Um, but we kind of established those things. And what it made really clear to us was that there were some people on the team that weren't really aligned, that weren't really on board with our mission and our values once we had actually established them. And so a, a big challenge was, was, you know, either by resignation or by termination, you know, when you get to a point where there's people that just aren't on board to go where you're going and you need to say, hey, you've been on the team, but it's time for you to not be. That was a huge challenge for us in the last year. Um, and it's heartbreaking. And if it's not heartbreaking, you shouldn't be on that conversation. Right. Say, you know, it, it's time for us to, to kindly offboard you. But, um, but what it did was really make clear to us what we care about, who we are, and who fits on this team so that we can be so much more intentional about that going forward and that everyone who's on our team should be. You know, yeah. everyone on the bus is on the bus on purpose, in the right seats, you know, doing the kinds of work that that they love and uh, I hope they love it. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. and then as we bring people on, we're being so much more strategic filtering at the door to say like, okay, are you the right kind of person? Not just do you have the right technical skills, but are you the kind of person that, you know, believes clients are the hero of the story, that believes that we're here to guide them to win, you know, that believes that we can be, you know, professional-ish. Yeah. We that's... can be kind and flexible and all the things. So I think it's been a big challenge, uh, but it's been a big opportunity for us too to, to grow. I bet it has. You know, Anna, you mentioned something interesting that, that I, I hear quite often, and that's that it's very difficult to find the time to work on your business but tell us, does that pay off in dividends or is it worthwhile to do that, to, to find that time? And you're finding that it's hard to do, but worthwhile and, and how worthwhile? I mean, tell us more about what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's very hard to do uh, because it doesn't feel like working. I think that's the biggest shift as you start to grow, as you start to like lean into being a leader in your company and lean out of the day to day is you kind of have to redefine what it means to work and what kind of work you should be doing, but it pays off exponentially. When you do those, that work on your business, um, I think it's like moving from being a firefighter to actually doing fire prevention. Mm, so good. there are less fires to put out. So, you know, but when you're in firefighter mode, it's so hard to, you see things on fire. And so how could I possibly go do other stuff, you know, but as you start to kind of flex those muscles, as you start to get into the habit of it, you realize, oh, by doing this work now, we're preventing so many problems in the future. We're setting ourselves up for success. You know, we're actually creating the foundation so that we can scale without just toppling over. So yeah. it's hard, but it's worth it. It's hard, but it's worth it. And it's a great analogy about the firefighting and fire prevention. But what it, and it's hard to do, 
But knowing that intellectually, it's it's more important to do that. And it's your role as a CEO of a company that has 12 people relying on her. Why not do that more? What prevents you from really disciplining yourself? Is it just a matter of discipline or, or what is it about that, that, that if it's so, if it, if it reaps so many dividends, why not, why don't CEOs do it more? Well, I think it's kind of like, uh, if exercise is so good for you, why don't you just exercise all day long? <laughs> okay. Um, you got me on that one. <laughs> good one. <laughs> it's great. Maybe not all day. No. Um, but I, I think it definitely is starting with looking at, okay, what is on my plate? And what actually should be there and what do I need to shift to someone else and how do I shift those things to someone in an intentional way so that they know how to do it. They're set up for success and I'm not going to be, you know, wanting to take it back or worrying it's not done. You know, so I think this, the starting place is, okay, what am I currently doing instead? And is that the things I should be doing? And if not, how do I set someone else up to do those things so I can do these things? So, you know, I don't know that you're going to be able to spend 90% of your time doing strategic work. It sounds great. I would love that, you know, but can you, can you start with 10%? Can you do 20%? You know, can you take an hour a day and think about like what, could I do in this time that's going to make a huge difference six months from now, a year from now? Um, so, you know, yeah. start small, go for a walk around the block, right? You don't need to marath- like run a marathon day one, right, but right. Know, start to work up to that, like couch to 5k. Right. That's, perfect. That's, what we work on. <laughs> that's great. That's great advice. Anna. thanks so much for passing that along. We've uh, run to the limit of our time. Is there, are there any final words you'd like to say to the other business owners that are running companies uh, of your size out there right now before we sign off? Yeah, uh, you're doing the Lord's work. No, um, <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's hard to do these things. I am under, I'm in the trenches with you. So I'm under no illusions that like, you can just go start doing all kinds of strategic work tomorrow. But it has definitely been the biggest impact in my company is to, to start doing things on purpose to start acting like a bigger company before we are one so that we're actually set up to be one. That's great. That's a great way to end it. Thanks so much for being on the show and spending time with us today. I really appreciate it, Anna. And I'm going to put into the show notes on the bottom, your contact information, how to get a hold of you. So if anyone wants to reach out, they can do that. Again, thanks so much for being on the show, Anna. Thanks for having me, Don. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at Thanks for listening.